Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our webinar today on opportunities in uh, agriculture, opportunities and challenges in South African agriculture. Um, we, as the University of the Free State, present these webinars from time to time. And, uh, you know, basically, if, if we have a look at the world in the last 18 months, we've seen that this world has changed quite significantly. Um, and that no sector in the, in the economy uh, or society for that matter has actually escaped uh, any change. So, and, 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 and the same is true for agriculture. Um, so all these sectors have been disrupted to some degree, uh, and, but it's not all uh, been for the bad. There's, there's also a, a number of good developments that, that have taken place. And in agriculture specifically, we know that there are supply chains that have been disrupted. We know that, uh, but we also know that there are some things like higher commodity prices um, that also provide opportunities. In, indeed, agriculture in South Africa is the one sector that in the last 18 months since the outbreak of COVID-19 has registered a significant growth, unlike the rest of the economy. Um, so uh, therefore, we also want to look at, at the opportunities in agriculture. The University of the Free State as a socially engaged university seeks to stimulate debate on all things in society, in the economy, and in this case, specifically in developments of specific sectors of the economy, uh, namely in uh, agriculture. Um, our university is one of the best agricultural, uh, natural and agricultural faculties. And as such, uh, we've, we, we do think that we have a contribution to make. But today we are not alone in bringing you this webinar. Um, we are doing this in partnership with a standard bank as well as with the Mangohung Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And uh, we've had a number of successful uh, 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 partnerships with uh, both these institutions, and uh, we are very proud to call them our partners in this. And so from the side of the University of the Free State, also my thanks to both Standard Bank and uh, the Mangung Chamber of Commerce and Industry for being our partners in uh, this. The previous webinar we presented uh, was about entrepreneurship, where we had um, Alon Reis, uh, who is one of the most successful incubator uh, managers in the country. Um, and we had a, a, a very good feedback on, on that, that webinar. And I expect that is what we will also have today. So today we bring you a number of speakers and uh, we will, I, I will introduce them to you in, in, in a minute. Um, so we first of all have uh, Mr. Tommy van Sale. Now, um, and, and I'll, I'll, uh, he'll, he'll come up first. So Mr. Fassel is the Chief Executive Officer of ZZ2 Farming Group. So if you've had tomatoes on your plates and in recent times, uh, you know, you, I can assure you that they're probably from ZZ2. Uh, Mr. Fassel studied agriculture and commerce at Stellenbosch University before completing his postgraduate studies at the University of Florida in the US. Uh, currently, he serves as director on various boards and was the director and vice chairman of the US-based Produce Marketing Association, as well as the chairman of the Agricultural Produce Agents Council for seven years. 
He has received numerous awards, including a Fulbright Scholarship, a Gamma Sigma Delta Award, and an honorary medal from the South African Academy of Science. During the 20 years that Mr. Fonsell held the position of Chief Executive of ZZ2, the farm he managed has grown extensively from the family farm that his father began. Um, the produce, uh, they produce tomatoes, onions, avos, mangoes, deciduous fruits, cherries, almonds, blueberries, uh, medjool, dates, and they have cattle on their farms across South Africa and Namibia. Mr. Fassel, who is fluent in Sesotho, is positive uh, by nature and is actively involved in community developments. He believes that farming in South Africa has a bright future if, uh, uh, if changes are managed purposefully and thoughtfully. I can also say that uh, Tommy and, and ZZ2 are valued partners of the University of the Free State. And Tommy, we are looking uh, forward to your presentation. Um, I hand over to you uh, for your presentation. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Berger, and uh, good afternoon to your uh, esteemed guests. I have a presentation to make. I just want to get to my, uh, if you excuse me for a minute, I just want to put the presentation on the system. Thank you, Tommy, we see it. We see it, okay, I just want to uh, start it as a... Uh, sorry, can you quickly help me here? Uh, actually, I need to uh, transition. Yeah. Uh, just Try F5 on your computer. F5. Yeah. Does that work? Oh, present there, there, there on the right top. There, left of the yellow. Yeah, there. No, there. No, um, and just the yeah, app there. Okay, there we go. There okay. we go. All right, thank you very much. Sorry for that short delay. Um, my 15 minutes starts now, uh, Professor Berger. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I'm uh, pleased to share some of our ideas uh, with your audience. Uh, I'm going to talk to you from uh, uh, agricultural firm, my company ZZ2's perspective about the opportunities and challenge in South African agriculture. The first thing I wanna do is to emphasize the importance of stakeholder relationships as a, as a prerequisite for, sorry, uh, I, I just wanna change this quickly, uh, uh, Philippe, I've got a, Okay, there we go. 
as a prerequisite for success, it's very important to manage the relationships uh, in our ecosystem and to understand the challenges uh, and the opportunities. We need to first understand who our stakeholders are and to affirm them. And the point is, if there's excessive demands from any one of the stakeholders, that will cause eventually a trust deficit and a non-alignment, which will cause, uh, cause an insufficient performance. Typically in our enterprise, we affirm the following uh, stakeholders as uh, very important parts of our system. Number one always has to be the customer. Because if we can't sell our product, all our other endeavors becomes meaningless. We have to have customers that we serve our product. But very importantly, we have input providers, typically like the banks. We have trading partners, which is downstream uh, uh, participants in our value channel. We also work with the government on uh, all three levels. We have the society around us, locally and international. We have competition, knowledge partners. University is a very important part of that and also research and development partners in other parts of the world. Increasingly, we're working with business partners with future generations. We think about our employees, which makes up all the potentiality of our business. And then of course, shareholders and owners. And in a farming setup, uh, nature is also a very important stakeholder. Now to keep this in balance, we find valuable insights from the Oracle of Delphi that had timeless trust building advice. Uh, the Oracle said to visitors seeking advice from her, remember everything should be in balance, nothing in excess. You should know yourself, know thyself. And before you make a promise, remember, make a pledge and mischief is nigh. Now, the present word field describing who we are in South Africa is not very encouraging. Unfortunately, corruption, nepotism, dishonesty, crime and malfeasance is part of our word field. And this leads to uncertainty, people wanting to develop alibi instead of uh, building identity. It leads also to absurdity, to divisions, to blaming and shaming. And all of this leads to a very difficult business environment. We have to make sure also listening to the Oracle that we can keep our promises that we make to our stakeholders. And to be able to do that, the promises have to be realistic and then we can have a conducive climate for business development. Now, talking about, the, about realistic expectations, agriculture, and Wandile will tell us more about that, is only having less than 3% of South Africa's GDP. So even if we pedal very, very hard and we overperform, we have to remember from a financial perspective, agricultural uh, impact on the GDP is relatively small. However, we are playing a very significant role in terms of job security, uh, or food security, job creation, and also 
from a point of uh, view of creativity and innovation, especially in terms of uh, the rural reconstruction and uh, maintaining stability in the rural areas of South Africa. Maybe we also have a role to play uh, with our thought processes to create the right tone at the top, the tune in the middle, and the resultant proper beat of the feet on the ground. That's typically uh, what Professor Mervyn King talks about, that business is all about. Now, we have problems in South Africa, institutional problems that creates constraints and challenges. And the main reality that faces us in 2021 is increasing energy costs, especially for farming enterprises or uh, enterprises in the value channel that depends on energy, whether it's fuel or electricity. We also have a big problem with the unreliable energy supply. We have logistics con logistic constraints especially in the rural areas and areas where you're not uh, fortunate to be next to a Sunrail road. Provincial roads and uh, even pro provincial uh, uh, district roads increasingly is creating a big problem. We also have uh, the deteriorating national fresh produce markets for fruits and vegetables and the weakening sales agent system, which I'll come to later. We have also the epidemic safety and security concerns. We have administrative inefficiency that's uh, about licensing regulations and compliance. I think the inflexible labor market is also beginning to hinder South Africa. We can see it becomes increasingly a lure to move production out of South Africa into some of our neighboring countries like Namibia, and uh, at this point in time, Botswana, but maybe even Zambia, and in the future, Zimbabwe. Uh, some farmers are also uh, operative in uh, Mozambique. Now, the other point is uh, research and development that is lacking, and it makes us com uh, con uh, increasingly dependent on uh, creative solutions from outside of South Africa. So in short, the license to operate in South Africa is becoming expensive and cumbersome to acquire. And the, the lead times for performance by government is increasing while everywhere else it's decreasing. Another very important point is uh, a few comments about the market. The price signal is an extremely important phenomenon that drives resource allocation and that drives the endeavors of a farming enterprise. This has been very efficient in South Africa. And the result was, or still is, that South Africa is one of the most productive agricultural sectors in the world. Uh, the price competitiveness of South African products globally is testimony to this. This success is uh, threatened by neg negligence of institutions run by the government. I mentioned the national pro fresh produce markets, but it also uh, goes as far as the road, road, roads, the rail networks, and even communication networks. 
It's further extremely threatened by unsanctioned trespassing on state and private property. We can just look at what happens to, to stations that are not policed all the time uh, in the rural areas and even in the cities nowadays. The solution to this quagmire, uh, being optimistic, is to help ourselves and to develop risk mitigation plans and a continuous strife for exemplary performance. I'm going to give you a few clues on how we do it in our enterprise. The most important point is to do efficient things. The South African market for domestic, domestically consumed fruits and vegetables is saturated and margins are thin. That's a reality. Significant profit only appears during disruptive events, especially climatic events. Occasionally, technological innovation causes improved profitability, which is not generally uh, beneficial. It's typically innovative organizations that reap the benefits like this. This reality, if it's not bluntly stated, creates unrealistic expectations, especially for young and upcoming farmers. However, there's a future in agriculture. The name of this future is exports, superfoods, and technological innovation. The product range that uh, Professor Berger mentioned uh, of ZZ2 will point to this uh, point I'm making. Tomatoes and onions, one, two of our products, is in a saturated market, but avocados, cherries, blueberries, and so on. Huge market abroad, and I'll come to the uh, competitive advantage we have in a minute. To be competitive, we work very closely with the productivity ratio that was uh, presented to South Africa by the National Productivity Institute two decades ago. We need to think about how to, to improve our throughput in the system. And sometimes you can do a little about the price, but you can do a lot about your yield per hectare. But sometimes you can do something about the price as well, as well by doing value adding. At the same time, you have to think about your operational expense. It's not always just a cost cutting effort. Sometimes you have to increase cost to be able to have a higher income. And then of course, we have to think about the resource optimization. It's increasingly part of our job to work with the authorities, for instance, to fix roads and to create capacity for the government. That's resource optimization. It's also increasingly going to be our duty to think about alternative energy sources, sources and work again with the authorities or the existing suppliers to do so. And then, of course, we have to think about uh, the management const of constraints, whether it's uh, physical constraints like the roads or whether it's uh, trade or legal or environmental constraints. It's part of our duty if we want to be exemplary in what we do. All of that together is in the productivity ratio. We have to have higher outputs uh, in relation to our inputs to improve our performance. 
The other very important uh, point I want to touch on, thinking about the opportunities in South Africa, is our due spatial niche. Southern Africa, not only South Africa, typically has a travel time from our port Durban to, for instance, in Hong Kong, 18 days. Our main competitor, South America, Peru, has a 31-day travel, travel time. This is very significant. It, will, it can make or break you with some of the products we focus as uh, superfoods. Uh, Brazil, for instance, traveling from Brazil to Rotterdam is 18 days and South Africa 17 days. That's not a significant advantage, but look at uh, when we go to the East. Uh, we're talking from Chile to Singapore, 38 days, and from South Africa to Singapore, only 13 days. Now, all the superfruits wanted in these up and coming markets should be a very strong focus of South Africa going into the future. I'm mentioning here specific products like avocados, blueberries, cherries, even apples and pears. Now, another very important point, thinking about the future and exemplary performance is the era of digitization. Many of the problems I mentioned earlier are going to be mitigated by this development. Systematically employed, this is a massive bifurcation point for agriculture. We have the ability now with the internet of things and with digitization and uh, information technology to have real-time data, information and knowledge in a transformation process that enhances our decision-making abilities and our competitiveness tremendously. We have much better communication and interaction abilities because of IT abilities. We have decreased lead times in decision-making. We have the reappearance of the near-perfect markets where supply and demand determines the value, resulting in trustworthy price signals. Even if the fresh produce markets, which is a very important institution in South Africa, are weakened, this is a way to overcome this problem. We also have very interesting abilities developing where we can link the rate of sale at retail level, even with the mama selling on the street, throughout the value chain to the farm. If you have a smartphone and you sell, linking what you're selling on the smartphone in the cloud, I can already start preparing on the farm your replacement product. We also have the abilities to optimize resource management by being able to, complex, to, to integrate complex data sets like water levels, even water quality with climate data, soil maps, and plant-specific data. We have the enhanced ability to manage enterprises as increasingly complex matrix systems. And then we have, very importantly, the ability to acquire share and maintain knowledge, skills, and know-how remotely. Lastly, I want to uh, emphasize a very important point. Change is a reality, and we have to be able to manage it to survive in the present era. We're in the era of open systems. 
we are interconnectivity locally, nationally, globally is the name of the game. To be able to be competitive in the future, we have to come to the point as individuals, as businesses, as a nation, to understand that the future is more important than the past. It's a very important starting point for an open system compared to a closed system. The focus is also increasingly on the other rather than on the self. You must affirm your neighbor. Also, an outward focus instead of an inward focus is imperative for remaining relevant. You have to know what's going on in the world around you. Furthermore, relationships have changed. It's horizontal and affirmative. Things are happening on a flat surface, not in a vertical and negating fashion. Everybody is becoming part of the decision-making. It's not the boss that has to make the decisions. It's uh, everybody in the system that needs to be inspired, aligned to the strategy. Uh, and if you can achieve that in your organization, you're going to survive. Lastly, change in the open system era is disruptive, is non-linear, and is unpredictable. You cannot predict the future in terms of the past. And the ability to manage this change is a prerequisite for sustainability. Uh, Mr. Chairman, Lady Chairman, this is my uh, contribution. I uh, am pleased to have been able to share this with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tommy. And ladies and gentlemen, um, at this stage, I'm handing over to my co-presenter, Ms. Nolwazi Nkiane. She's uh, from Standard Bank. She's the head of uh, uh, sector specialists. Uh, we're co-hosting this event. Uh, Nolwazi, I'll hand over to you to introduce uh, Wandile. Thank you so much, Prof. Thank you so much, Tommy, for such a, a wonderful presentation. And you know, you said something very important, change is a reality. And the agility of us as individuals is quite important. And I think one thing that I took away from uh, listening to you is that um, it's important to understand self, important to understand the ecosystem, and it's important know who forms part of the ecosystem for you to be to be successful. Ladies and gentlemen, before we continue, please um, join me in welcoming this um, the, 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 the gentleman, the next panelist, which is Mr. Wandilese Shobo. They say dynamite come in small packages. And I think this is really the truth. Mr. Wandile is the C Chief um, Economist of the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. He holds a Bachelor of Science, Science degree in Agricultural Economics from the University of Forte, my hometown, and um, a Master of Science degree in Agricultural Economics from Stellenbosch University. He is the author of a book called Finding Common Ground, talking to land, equity, and agricultural and agriculture book. And this book was published by Penn Macmillan in 2020 March. He is also a visiting research fellow at the Birds 
university, Yvette School um, of Governance, commonly known as the University of, um, um, uh, of sorry, the Africans sometimes choose my words somewhere, somehow, and a columnist for Business Day and Farmers Weekly. In a recent uh, article that I read uh, at the Business Day, he gave an opinion that farmers grasp the, log the logic of logistics. He says the efforts of bearing fruits more needs to, be done, needs to be done to boost the pot and the rail capacity. In 2019, Mr. Sotobo was appointed as a member of President Cyril Ramaphosa Presidential Economic Advisory Council. This was after serving as the Presidential Ad Expert Advisory Panel of Land Reform and Agriculture between 2018 and 2019. He is also a member of Council of Sets and the Commissioner of the International Trade Administration Commission of South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in, in, in welcoming Ndade Wandile Sishobo. I don't know if they know what Sishobo means. It means friend in Kosa. Sishobo is a friend in Kosa. Welcome, Sishobo. Yeah, thank you so very much, Sisnolazi, uh, and thank you to everyone um, that has joined us uh, online. Uh, I'm going to use uh, a couple of slides because Professor Berger has given me a rather difficult task where he said, Wanile, can you give us a, a brief update of the state of the South African agricultural economy in uh, 15 minutes? So I hope I will be able to cover just at a, at a highlight, but I think I was fortunate because Om Tommy Fainzale has already spoken to some of the key things that we are observing um, in the sector. So I'll make some remarks within the next 15 minutes, really at a high level of where we are and what are the conditions looking like within this space. And I guess the starting point really to kick off things is to acknowledge uh, the point that Prophet opened up with to say agriculture has had a fairly good run in South Africa uh, since the pandemic started. And um, the numbers speak for themselves, about 13.4% in the rebase numbers uh, of growth in 2020. And even if you were to look now into this particular year, 2021, the estimates from our side at ACBIS is that this sector could grow by 6%. And some of our colleagues, for example, at BFEP, are rather a bit more optimistic than us, seeing about 7.6%. 7 so the bottom point is that in, on aggregate, the sector is in fairly good shape. But obviously, we know that there are some subsectors that haven't had a good run as this. And one of those is the wine industry, the tobacco industry. I would say those are the two subsectors that have experienced a pretty much a, a tough run over the past uh, a few months. And obviously, I think you know, this year, particularly in the wine industry, we've seen the damage done by some of the bans that were put in place, rightly so, if one was to consider the health perspective, but for business conditions, it was tough. 
And the key thing that has supported all other sectors of subsectors of agriculture was obviously the favorable rainfalls that we have seen since the start um, of the previous seasons. We, with the past two years, we've been receiving some fairly good rains. And obviously this gave us uh, a space to recover because if you were to look, for example, on that chart that is on the screen, right up, up around about 2018, you will see that there was almost nothing in the deep in there, which speaks to the droughts that we have experienced. And the conditions that were experienced there, I mean, they were central also to some of the tough conditions that were experienced within the province of the Free State and across South Africa. So the past two years of a recovery has been fairly awesome. And obviously, while I say at an aggregate level, the, the sub-sectors that have seen some good growth is horticulture, the field crops, the livestock industry, yes, it has been in a fairly good path, but not so much as the other sub-sectors like the livestock and the grains in a sense that the higher input costs, particularly the cost of grains, have been uh, one of the key uh, challenges for people that are in the livestock, in the dairy business, and also within the poultry business. But on aggregate, again, the picture still remains, as I've mentioned, in them. And one of the other important things that I think since the start of the COVID has been fantastic for us, not to say there wasn't a lot of difficulties in achieving this, is the fact of the exports, that the exports have continued fairly well in South Africa's agricultural sector. Um, Tommy spoke about this when he was emphasizing the point that we need to open up more export markets. But already in 2020, we saw South Africa's agricultural exports, for example, reaching the second largest uh, level on record of around about $10.2 billion. And what was encouraging is that it, across all of the markets that we have been relatively present on, our exports were still going into those levels. In the African continent, we still saw about 40% of our exports going there. In Europe, we saw good demand. In Asia, we saw good demand. But obviously, we, things could have run a bit more smoother. But last year, we experienced at the ports a lot of delays are caused by the infections of COVID. But this time around this year, there's a new challenges. The efficiencies at the ports, the costs at the ports, at the ports, but also some of the cyber attacks issues that we have seen at Transnet um, and the and the unrest that had happened in KZN. Those are some of the things that I think they are emerging as even much more urgent challenges that we are we are experiencing in our logistics space. But still, with all of those challenges, if you were to look in the first half of this year, South Africa's agricultural exports were around about 6.1 billion dollars. That's up 26 if you were to look on a on a on a year on year basis so it means that even in 2021 we are still seeing some good momentum of exports where i think the heat of these uh, recent disruptions that i've mentioned will show is when we look on the quarterly basis particularly on a third quarter but i think for the year exports numbers for agricultural sector will still remain robust but this doesn't take away from the point i was mentioning that the logistics which Sisnolwazi also referred to, that is becoming an increasingly difficult issue, which I think it needs uh, increased focus of both stakeholders in agriculture, but also stakeholders in business in general. And I think this is not unique to the agricultural sector, but it's a challenge that is gonna be faced by many sectors of the economy, and it's a thing to focus on. And I think more so as South Africa's agricultural sector is export oriented. I mean, we export in, in value terms about 49% of what we produce. This tells us then that if we are growing and the next coming years get better, we rather have efficient logistics to move these commodities, but importantly, have the export markets, which links back to the point Om Tommy was highlighting with that nice chart, which showed various markets that we need to increase our participation and tap in. 
And I think in the near term, the indications are that we will continue to be in a positive growth path. And in fact, as I've spoken about the 7.6% potential growth in agriculture this year, if you look at 2022, it is possible that we could still grow by somewhere between 2 and 4% the agricultural sector because the weather conditions are also just as positive as going into the 2021-22 season. That's the season that begins in around about uh, October, which is next month. And the key uh, uh, factor there that is, is, is giving us those favorable conditions is what is on the left-hand side of your screen. If you look at that chart, the only thing that you need to focus on there are those dark bluish bars in there because what they tell us are the probabilities of another La Nina, which basically means then for the case of South Africa and indeed the Southern Africa community at large, that there is prospects for above normal rainfall. So we're likely to have another good run of good rainfalls that are above normal and already building in an environment that has better soil moisture from another previous La Nina season. What this tells us is that within the grain industry, within the horticulture industry, and indeed even natural grazing fields, we're likely to have another good run. And for the free state, which is largely the grain hub. I mean, this is going to be another good season uh, for you on that on that end. And I think that even now the farmers are already beginning to increase their investments. They are taking signal into this. And one such indicator that you could observe for this is really if you were to look at the tractor sales. The tractor sales in South Africa has been growing by double digit since the start of the year. And in fact, if you were to take the data for the first seven months of this year, you will notice that tractor sales are plus 30 percent on a year-on-year -year basis. And obviously this speaks to the fact that the balance sheets of farmers have improved following the previous good season of higher grain, of higher uh, large harvest and higher crop prices, but also the fact that there is some level of confidence about the next season. And obviously these favorable uh, uh, weather conditions are also adding into that. But I would not take away the fact that this year is different than the previous season. We do see input costs rising at a much more tougher pace. And I think in the Q&A session, Om Tommy might, might share insights about what he's experiencing on his business into this. Because if you look at the fertilizer prices this year, that's the chart on your right-hand side. You can just focus on the dark bluish line and compare with the light bluish line one. It shows you for type of fertilizers on what prices are this year compared to last year. And you see a similar pattern, even if you were to look at the other agrochemicals uh, that, that we do apply in the sector. What this tells us then is that the margins are pretty much going to be squeezed in the farming sector this time around. The only thing that is going to keep farmers uh, doing well is if obviously the yields gets to be better and also the commodity price prices remain uh, relatively at higher levels. And we do think that in as far as the commodity prices are concerned, while they will soften from the levels we saw at the start of this year, we are not going back to levels that we were in in 2019. Because La Nina means good rains for us, but for South America, it will still mean that it will be still relatively drier, even though not in as harsh condition that the season we're coming from. But also, the Chinese demand story remains ever more a reality. It means that China will continue to buy the grains and that will continue supporting the prices. And I think those fundamentals of relatively higher prices and favorable weather conditions will provide us uh, enough firepower to be able to have another good season and maps the farmers also their finances to be uh, in, in fairly good shape, even though not a bigger margins as the season that we are coming from. And I think here, one, one other 
other thing we need to, to, to appreciate is that we are already building on an environment that is solid in as far as agricultural economy. All you need to, to take from this slide that I'm showing on the screen is that these numbers comparing from 2010 to 2020 on how much the South Africa's agricultural economy has actually expanded. You can look at it in value terms and look at it in volume terms according to our major subsectors. The bottom line stories that we've been growing, we've been expanding. And the key thing behind this is this expansion in area plantings, but also the favorable weather conditions that we have seen over time. But the other space that I think we've been seeing and it's much more in, in a much more clear, clear benefits is this horticulture space. This is where ZZ2 is, is operating in. And that space is important because it's also labor intensive, but it is also the space that is giving us enough value when we think about those exports that I've mentioned. Because if you were to look at the composition of South Africa's exports, the fruits dominate that space along with wine. Other crops that are not uh, fruit there, it's only just maize and the wool and so, but it's largely the fruits and it's a space that is also labor intensive and very important for South Africa's uh, having high employment uh, that, that, that we are currently sitting in. And I think that we could have actually grown much faster than those numbers that I've shown in the previous slide. Had we've done a couple of things, and 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 um, Tommy went on in this more detail from a from a business enterprise perspective in his presentation. But if we were to pivot that and look at a national perspective and say, what are some of these things, and you aggregate them, it really boils down to about four issues in my perspective. The state efficiencies in a, in an administration basis, either it's the modernization of of Act 36, which is very critical for allowing us to import all of the technologies that we need to boost our productivity. The animal disease management around the biosecurity, something that needs to be boosted, but also increasing the staff complement across, particularly in the provincial level and the district uh, side. This is an issue that I think it needs focus, but also a reality down there in Mangaung, but also other provinces of South Africa. Infrastructure, we've talked about this, the need for investments at the ports as production increases we will need to have large volumes to move. But also inland infrastructure is an area that we need to focus on because now we will have to move some of these commodities and we need to appreciate the fact that South Africa already moves, if you were to take grains, about 80% of our grain is transported by road. And now if you are embarking on a strategy of road to rail, you will need to really be putting enough resources um, on that side. And I think private sector partnering with Transnet and government coming into the fore on that, that could give us enough conditions to be able to see that being a reality. And another important thing obviously around that is the water infrastructure and, and, and legislation around that. There is enough now attention that is beginning to go there, but it's a long-term thing and it needs increased attention for us to realize growth. And the issue of security is another area. I mean, hearing about all of these cases of crime and vandalization in rural South Africa, it does place a damper to some that are looking at agriculture and saying, maybe I should get into this space. But all of these horror cases and very brutal cases that are happening is something that needs serious attention. But I think another important thing here that if we could address it more efficiently, it could have led us to faster growth is the issue around 
uh, uncertainty on a land policy. The expropriation without compensation debate is not very helpful. We have wasted, we have used, I shouldn't use the word wasted because it perhaps may be a harsh word, but we have used enough energy debating that matter. Right now, I think that we need to look at other instruments that could drive land reform. And those instruments are clear in the land reform panel report of 2019. And I think we should focus there, pull up those instruments, but also use the land reform agency idea that the president talked about um, in his State of the Nation address, particularly for driving the redistribution part of land reform. But also look at how much land does the state has. The state has over 2 million hectares on land and taking that land and bring it in full production. But not only with leases this time around, but with tradable leases and also land rights, extending those and following up with infrastructure. And I think doing a combination of those things and tapping in the former homelands areas, it begins to give us some bit of growth that could boost us more than the, 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 the activity that we have already seen over the past few years. And it could also attract investments into agriculture because the reality is South Africa's agricultural sector is capital intensive. So if we're thinking about focusing on it as one of the sectors to drive growth and also employment, then we also need conducive policies along with some of these other infrastructure needs that I've referred to. And as my last slide, I mean, the provinces that I think we should also be focusing on a lot. Yes, we are speaking now with the University of Free State in Mangaung, but it trains people that are operating across the country. And I think that those folks that are coming out of, of, of Free State should really be looking at how do they assist the Eastern Cape AZN, Limpopo, Mpumalanga, because those are the next frontiers for expansion of agricultural activity. And those are the areas that I think they have good soils that are still underutilized. But over time, as policy begins to complement the needs of those areas and infrastructure follow, I think we could see pretty much more of a good activity on agriculture in those areas. And I think the agricultural master plan that the government is already putting on in place, it begins to speak to those things. It talks about the deep dives and the commodity corridors that should be a key focus. And the land reform agency that I had spoken about is one of the key things um, that I think is going to assist us in driving uh, a land reform. And I think that the expropriation debate, like I said, it might have been useful in getting us to speak about land reform, but I think now we should pack that on the side and focus on various instruments that could pretty much drive us forward. And I think these, and in combination of the logistics points that I've talked about, could begin to tap into those opportunities that we see in agriculture. And obviously this builds on on Omtomi's uh, 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 insights, particularly from a firm level, and, and I would say a micro agroeconomic side of, 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 of a focus that we need to have in, in the sector. But let me stop there. My alarm has already made enough noise, Sisnoloazi. Let me bring this back to you and thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you so much, Pudwandile. Uh, what a wonderful uh, presentation. And I think a lot of learnings as well from it. Um, and I like the fact that you've given the free status a challenge to look at opportunity and also and given the hope around how how the, the you know the, the weather forecasts are gonna look like in the years to come. So without wasting any time, um, I see a lot of, uh, of, of our participants are really commenting on the comment on, on the chat. Please feel free to comment uh, um, um, on, on the chat and raise any questions. We will take all the questions at the end of the, of the session. And uh, as, uh, at this point in time, please help me to welcome Nico Kroonewald. Before I hand over to Nico, um, Nico is a colleague um, and an expert 
in, as well in the agricultural sector. Lini Kochrenewald has been the head of agribusiness for Standard Bank um, since 2014. He graduated with a BSc from the University of Pretoria in 1988 and completed an MBA at the University of Northwest in 1997. Apologies, Nico, we've just given your age away then. Mr. Kronewald began his career with Standard Inc. in 1990 as a junior agricultural advisor. This was before joining an agricultural business, um, agribusiness company um, called Vieke Beer in 1991, um, which he joined as an agricultural um, um, economist focusing on, uh, focusing on production economics. economics. In, 19, in 1997, he rejoined Standard Bank as an agricultural credit evaluation manager. From 2005 onwards, Nico fulfilled several management roles within Standard Bank in the agribusiness space, as well as facilitated various um, credit functions within the Standard Bank group in his uh, current role. He's also a member of the steering committee of ABBIS, which uh, I think one delay is also part of, a reputable national organization that represents agribusiness in South Africa. He also represents Standard Bank in a number of, um, um, of, of platforms and also um, represents Standard Bank as an agricultural committee um, in the agricultural committee of the Banking Association in Africa, in South Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me to, to welcome uh, Nico Ronewald from Standard Bank Group. Thank you. Njabonga Nolwazi. Just a moment, uh, if you allow me to quickly share my screen. Uh, I hope you can see that, Nolwazi. Uh, just give me an indication if it's on. We see it. Yes, Nicole, it's on. Thank you. All right. Um, I think let me begin by, by saying um, from an agricultural perspective, and I'm talking across uh, all the different value chains up and down in it. I think we, we are used to extraordinary conditions. Agriculture is known to be cyclical. Um, stuff like, uh, or situations such as drought, uh, bird flu, swine flu, foot and mouth, all these things impact significantly on agriculture. And therefore I would think that agriculture is probably more uh, or used to facing uh, situations of, of abnormal proportions. Then suddenly, um, events such as COVID and the recent uh, uh, uproar in, in KZN and in Gauteng come, comes along. And in the financial world, we often talk about uh, predicting a black swan event. And I guess, um, and I thought never in my life I would uh, experience a black swan event, but it seems like um, this is it uh, uh, that we've uh, encountered. 
Now, just to, to, to bring it back into reality, I think I, I often go and I look what happens in somewhere else in the world outside agriculture and sport is always a, a, a good place to go and find uh, some inspiration. And these two guys that I've got you on the screen, one is Peter de Prier and the other one is Ntando Maklang, both of them in the recent uh, uh, Paralympics in, in Tokyo, uh, achieved uh, a gold medal, Peter and uh, Ntandu achieved two gold medals. Peter was hit by a car at 23 and uh, Ntandu uh, was in a wheelchair and both his legs were amputated at the age of 10. Um, despite all of this, these guys showed two things, resilience and consistency, and they wanted to achieve a specific goal. And, and I see often quite a lot of that in agriculture. And I think if you don't have that in agriculture, you know, it, it will be a, a challenge to, to, to operate in, in such a dynamic environment with huge rewards, I must say. So when you look at what has happened in the last two years, you know, um, I guess uh, the, the aspect of a new normal and what that means is, is, is for everybody, um, the world has changed. But what we've seen is that um, the deficiencies in business models, models actually became more pronounced. Uh, agility and adaptability is now essential to stay in business through this pandemic and, and all the other issues that were added to it. In our world, cybersecurity is specific something that, 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 that we're looking at, but I think that that, that goes wider than that. Um, we also realize that because the world has changed, our solutions must, must change. That what we offer to our clients need to change. Um, we, from a banking perspective, for instance, suddenly our infrastructure is uh, not worth much in the way we engage with our clients. We had to better make use of call centers. And then something which is quite significant, and I think Tommy also touched on it, is the world of digital uh, and in banking that is, is, is quite prominent. We had to change our focus to become a platform orientated bank. Uh, and this also impacts on the way we interact with our agricultural clients and also how they interact back with us. Um, as I mentioned in, in our space, uh, cyber security has suddenly become a significant issue. Um, and just a practical example, what has happened uh, in the ports uh, in terms of, of their uh, um, systems that, that got an attack, which impacted the whole, uh, the value chain. Um, platforms, just to get back to the platform side, we also, in the agri space, directly got involved at the back of, of, of the uh, uh, pandemic, uh, where we partnered with outside uh, companies. And Tommy mentioned partnerships and associations in terms of how we would go forward where we partnered, uh, partnered with, with uh, other uh, entities in the business to form a platform which we call One, One Farm Share, where we, in this difficult times, try to uh, solve for surplus agricultural product or product that is out of spec um, or product that simply uh, wanted to be donated, where we can create a platform for that to be distributed into uh, organizations which would take it then, and in our instance, we used for, for, uh, food forward, which then distribute the food back into uh, the communities that uh, were affected the most. So I think that for us is, 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 is what we look at uh, uh, from a banking perspective, which is, which is quite significant 
during this pandemic and going forward. So, so how do we reset a strategy and, and, and build resilience? And I think, um, just to give you a practical example, I went to one of our prominent clients, uh, which um, also coincidental is uh, focusing on uh, these products that, that Tommy has highlighted. Um, and I asked him, you know, what, what are you focusing on? What are you doing? Um, and what, what came out for me is now I've, I've put out these strength and digital capabilities because that's how the bank looks at it. But I think um, from an agricultural perspective, using uh, technology optimally and sensibly, I, I often see technology, you know, applied, but it, it's not necessarily linking into or supporting the business in, in improving the efficiencies that they. But, but I think those things are, are, are quite critical. And what I saw yesterday was, was, was quite impressive. I think from where we sit as a bank, maintaining business continuity and finance through these types of cycles uh, is critically important. Agriculture, to my mind, and what we've seen in the bank um, was probably the, the sector that was the least uh, affected by the likes of COVID. And probably because agriculture was resilient and is used to, to, to the crises that, 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 that we face. But uh, we still have the other issues which I've mentioned. And I think uh, making sure that your business can pass through something like that is critical. So therefore, I think what we look at is, is you know, you, you need to think bigger than a single disaster. Uh, and you need to prepare for the next disaster during the current now, by that, I'm not saying that you need to be in a crisis mode and that you have to focus on, on the negative only, but these are the realities and one needs to be able to adapt and to evolve to make sure that you stay ahead of these things. And also referring to the, 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 the visit we had yesterday, it is critical. Uh, and if I talk to all the successful farmers and, and uh, uh, the guys in, on, on our books and even outside of that, uh, you, they will all tell you that one critical component of their business is the people that work for them. They cannot succeed if they don't have a strong uh, support from the people and then plowing back into their people that work for them. So if you then take that and I like, and, and Tommy, you mentioned productivity and I'll get to that in, in a second. Um, now, I know there might probably be some students on the line and probably some uh, um, MBA students probably also, and they would uh, give me a go on, on the definition, uh, but I don't think that is uh, the purpose of, of the slide. I think for from where we sit is, if you, in the South African context, we, we have limited land available. We don't, we don't have additional hectares, and then Wandile has spoken about Wandile, uh, additional hectares that sits out there, for instance, that in the Eastern Cape, which is uh, not used at the moment. I exclude that for the sake of this argument. I refer to existing farmers with existing uh, operations going. We don't have hectares that you can simply in increase. So we need to focus on, on our productivity. And the building blocks of that productivity sits in efficiency and innovation. Now, uh, there's lots of definitions of, for, for efficiency, but it's, it's simply the ability to do things well uh, and not waste. Uh, and then obviously uh, um, innovation is, is the successful exploitation of, of new ideas. Um, and if you combine those things, you get to, to two of the drivers of, of productivity because productivity is 
productivity can be measured. And again, when you talk to engineers, they've got a, a different definition of productivity. And you talk to the likes of Wandile from an economic perspective, there's also different definitions. But it, 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 it can be measured and it's simply uh, the efficiency of production, um, which, which you look at. Now, those drivers, as I say, uh, um, is obviously efficiency, uh, innovation, but also uh, the investment in physical capital, uh, skills, which I referred to in my previous slide, making sure that skills complement capital. Um, and then there's uh, the likes of, of seizing new business opportunities and, the, and, and, and competition that can drive productivity. Um, Tommy referred to, to a productivity uh, calculation or index that he's using. I, I came across a study that was done by SA Tide, which is the Southern Africa Towards Inclusive Economic Development Initiative, which is a, collab a collaboration between local and international research institutes and also the government, uh, where they compare agricultural productivity over a period of time. And if we look at, at agricultural South Africa's productivity in agriculture, you can basically break it up in, in, in three stages uh, according to this paper, uh, where the first uh, uh, period is from 1961 round about up to um, 1981, where that period was uh, uh, categorized as one of sustained growth in output driven by growth in input. In other words, uh, just putting more input into the system and getting more out of it. But from a productivity perspective, uh, that re remained fairly stagnant. And I'm not gonna go into the technical uh, calculation and assessment of productivity. Those, the, the, this is total factor productivity, but, but there's different uh, parts to that. Um, if you take, and, and then 1982, uh, we hit a huge drought, but also a lot of other things changed at that stage. The, the marketing environment changed. If uh, some of, of, of the people on the call will also recall, uh, uh, what happened with our exchange rate and the way our, our, we valued our money uh, also changed. So there's a lot of things that happened at that stage over and above the drought in agriculture. But that second period from 1981 to 94, more or less, was categorized by a decreased trend in the use of inputs and output was driven by technology. And in that technology, again, that's a discussion for another day. It is the, the, the improvement of the, uh, of the efficiency of technology itself and also the application of new technology that, that came into, into play. And then that last period from 95, 96 up to, to uh, 2014 when the, where this uh, study was focused on was, uh, was one of, of acceler accelerated growth in output uh, and productivity whilst input is stagnated. Uh, when Dili mentioned, uh, you know, uh, productivity and Tommy touched on it as well. So that is the South African context of it. But what, how do we look at, at, at that from a, from, from, a, from a global perspective? Where do we sit? And the factor that they have here is if you get to one, then, then um, this study refers to uh, the so-called so -called, uh, PPF, which is, which is the production possibilities frontier. Um, and the likes of China and the U United States sits at that one. So what happened with, with South Africa during this period? So we had a, we had a significant growth um, um, from, uh, it, we were sitting at 0.66% and that moved up to 0.81% yeah, in the early 90s and currently we're sitting at 0.88. So we're moving towards that point of 
a uh, international or the global uh, PPF level. However, the rate of, of that growth over the last period has sort of slowed down and th that requires for us to focus strongly on how we are going to deal with our productivity in order to stay afloat in these turbulent times that I referred to earlier, um, which I think links quite uh, nicely with uh, the approach that Tommy as well as, as Wandile had. So that's in short, the message that I'd like to, to, to bring home is that um, I think um, I'm totally proudly biased towards South African agriculture in our ability to be some of the best farmers in the world. We can have a separate discussion on uh, comparing uh, subsidies in the South African agriculture environment versus the rest of the world. Our, our, our farmers do not have the luxury of all of that. But despite that, we are uh, on, the, on the charts in terms of comp competing with the rest of the world from a productivity perspective. But there's a bit of a warning sign. We need to make sure that we stay ahead of our game, not for our productivity to fall back uh, and the rest of the world uh, surpassing us. Thank you very much, uh, Norwazi. Wow, thank you so much. So thank you so much, Nico. I think no one is gonna live the same day after this webinar. I really wanna thank all the, the, the speakers that have given their knowledge and their information. I think the comments are really showing that this was quite very, very good webinar. We need more of this. Thank you so much to the university and the um, you know, Mangawung Business Chamber of Commerce and Standard Bank for hosting us for such a wonderful webinar. Without wasting any time, Nico, you said something very powerful. You said, think bigger than the current disaster. And I think it's a challenge to all of us around here. And I think what's important is to look at opportunity within that disaster. Um, without wasting any time, then I will move over to the questions. Um, I will start with um, there's quite a number of comments um, and 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 you know um, comments around thanking the different speakers. Um, the first question that I would ask, uh, I would like to maybe give to. I just want to check who it's for. Um, <clears throat> Tommy, call you. Um, Tommy, this one is for you. Um, they, uh, Duncan Masiwa is asking, you mentioned in your presentation that South Africa can be a key food supplier of Africa in the East. What needs to be done for South Africa to realize this truth? And what would this mean for rural farming communities and smallholder farmers in the country? With some of the panelists, if you see some of the questions, if you're more than welcome to also answer on the head where possible. Want to me? Over to you. <laughs> the opportunities we have uh, marketing-wise, uh, I would say is an industry-wide endeavor that's needed. The private sector, farmers specifically, uh, farmer representatives like uh, commodity organizations like Horgrow and uh, Subtro, I have to work with the government, the Department of Agriculture, and our uh, international collaborators. Uh, typically, the government of China. We have success with uh, commodities like citrus, apples. I think pears have also now been allowed. 
grapes. Uh, I forgot one now. There's uh, four major commodities that's been uh, admitted because of the bilateral agreements with the, with the governments of, for instance, South Africa and China. We need to do the same with uh, India, uh, South Korea, and so on. Uh, don't forget also countries like uh, the Americas, the United States. There's a huge market there, and we don't have access for all our products there. But this can't be done only by government. It's got to be done by government and commodity organizations and private enterprise. If we succeed, for instance, getting avocados uh, admitted to China, the impact of that on uh, the South African areas of, uh, I would say, Limpopo, some of the subtropical areas in, uh, the, Western, in the Eastern Cape can be tremendous. We're talking here uh, big game changers. The same applies to products like blueberries and, uh, and cherries. Huge opportunity to grow the industry. And uh, it's a relatively low cost uh, opportunity to create inclusive growth in South Africa. Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you so much for that for that answer. I will move over to the next question. This next one is going out to you, Wandile. Um, it says, "Why?" It's from Ruben. Why did the agricultural sector of the economy show continual growth during the, 29, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, when the rest of the economy showed a decrease in growth? Is it because of the good rainfall? we had across the country. Yeah, um, thanks, uh, Nalazi. That, that's the, the part of the answer. Good rainfall uh, enabled production, favorable production conditions. Um, but also expansion in area planting happened uh, for some of the major sub crops, sub, sub, uh, for the major field crops. That's the second point. But I think also the meaningful one was the government's regulation, allowing the sector to operate relatively open during this period. Um, despite the glitches at the start of the lockdown, was one of the uh, uh, contributing factors. So that, that's the major three stuff. Thanks. Thank you, Putwandile. Um, the next question is from Duncan Masiwa, um, um, a journalist. He's a journalist from, from Food Sanzi. And the question is to you again, Putwandile. Regarding the weather phenomenon, South Africa is looking at an unusual yet welcoming scenario of three successive rainy seasons. In the 2019-2020 and 2020-2021 production seasons, we saw ample rainfall. Now the upcoming 2021-2022 season is likely to be an additional period of prolonged cycle of favorable weather conditions and good agricultural activity in South Africa, as you've noted before. So what does this mean for agriculture, especially farmers in drought-stricken um, parts of, of, of the country? I mean, this is a positive, obviously, for, 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 for agriculture in South Africa. And Nolazi, I think this we're going to be seeing this. This is the first time since 2008 where we've had about three seasons consecutively of good rains. But I think, I mean, Nico can speak uh, onto this. Uh, while the rains have been good, there are pockets that have been very difficult. I mean, 
down in the Eastern Cape, the southern parts of the province have had a very difficult periods, and also parts of the Northern Cape have not been as blessed as a greater part of South Africa. So yes, when we speak on a macro perspective, we say good shape for South Africa's agriculture economy. But when you drill below that, the picture is, is, is mixed. I guess then to Duncan's point, it will depend also how well distributed these rains will be compared to the previous season. The hope and what many of us are praying for is that those parts of the Eastern Cape and also Northern Cape could at this time around also uh, benefit uh, to, to those rains. That, that's what we are all hoping for. And that's what the forecasts are at least telling us at this point. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, uh, another question, this one I will pose to... Um, I think uh, let's Nervozi, Hello? Maybe I can just add to that, and, and I think uh, Tony no would probably also uh, have a view on, on, on climate. Um, I think rainfall is, is, is just one portion of, of climate, um, and, and the distribution thereof is, is an, another part, but I think climate uh, and the climate change uh, uh, topic is, is a topic that's been on the cards for quite a while, but I, I'm not so sure whether we have actually grappled with that in the right way and, and focus on it to, to the extent that it's going to affect us going forward. Are we, and my comment is from a financing perspective, mm. as much as, as climate is affecting agriculture, there's also a growing notion that agriculture is affecting climate uh, by means of our agricultural uh, systems and production methods that we apply. Um, we are currently in talks with the likes of the World Bank around what future financing would look like in the South African context, because there are certain commitments and undertakings across the globe uh, focusing on 2050 as to how would agriculture function and also then the funding into agriculture regarding climate. So I, I think it is a topic which is from a strategic perspective, something which is, is uh, uh, quite important and Tommy referred to uh, the partnerships and the collaboration across agriculture. And I think uh, we will on an increasing basis see that we will talk to each other to make sure that this phenomenon from an agricultural perspective is, is addressed, uh, as I say, I'm talking from a financing perspective. Yeah. Uh, Tommy and the guys are in the field with their feet on the ground producing it. They, they experience it firsthand um, from receiving it. And then the pressure will also be there from uh, um, parties that would say, but agriculture also has a responsibility uh, towards its contribution to the changing climate. And I think those are things which are, are, are quite important. Maybe Tommy, you, you have a comment on that as well. Yeah, I'd like to also come in there. Yeah. Uh, South Africa has, a, 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 I would say, a big shortcoming, uh, being a drought, a dry country. Uh, in, a, in a big way, it is a negative. But in this context, it is also a positive. Because typically, the average farm in South Africa, if you have a, 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 a size of farm, typically about 10, 15% of that farm is used for arable uh, endeavors. And the remainder of the farm, and that's my important point, the remains as a set-aside area, a green patch or a green belt, and those are vast reservoirs of uh, CO2 sequestering. 
So if you go to uh, many farms, and we've measured the carbon uh, uh, balance in our endeavors, you'll find that we actually becoming uh, carbon positive enterprises. And part of the opportunity is in the future to go to some of those uh, uh, carbon negative enterprises and make special deals with them in terms of uh, the carbon credits that's available. I, I'm generalizing now a lot because mm. there is some farms where 100% of the farm is uh, utilized and there's no green belts or set aside areas. But in general, agriculture have a, a, a huge opportunity because we're custodians for vast tracts of land that are never going to be cultivated. They'll be either used for cattle or game or just as natural preservation areas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, the panelists, for, for answering that uh, specific question. Um, and I think if I will move on to that, just want to make sure we cover all as much questions as possible. The next question is asked is the 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 the, the is Chili Boy Rally Pele is asking, is the organic farming approach feasible? Or should one consider the conventional um farming approach when developing developing a new farm? Uh, can I give that to any one of my panelists? Maybe you can take it. Um me or me. I, I'll, I'll try a shot at that uh, question. Uh, good day, Chili Boy. Uh, he's from our hometown. He comes here from Sanin uh, area. Organic farming has a place, but it is a market-driven uh, uh, phenomenon. Mm. Some people are willing to pay a premium price for a product because of its attributes. And then it becomes profitable. But as a mainstream product that has to compete with all other products, that production technology is not yet at the point where the cost of the product is lower than the conventional methods. So uh, what uh, many companies are doing, for instance, our own company, is to develop a system that is not fully certifiable as organic because the market doesn't pay you for that. But on the other hand, it uh, has some of the same attributes in terms of the inputs you use. We call it nature farming. Uh, we, we coined it a name in ZZ2 and all, everything we do is uh, done in a way where we decrease uh, harmful inputs and we increase, let's say, organic inputs. So I, I would say for South Africa, the big market uh, doesn't exist in the organic space. But if you go to some, to some very affluent market segments, uh, there is a market for that. I think in the, in the European countries, in the US, the organic movement is very strong and some growers are focusing only on that. In South Africa, it's a niche segment. There is people in that uh, segment and it is viable for them, but it's small. Uh, this so, is so much, Tommy. Can I hand over? Yeah, yeah. One yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want to add a word to to um, Tommy on this point because there are interesting developments um, that are happening in Europe. Um, in April this year, the European Commission, uh, which has always been pro-organic and uh, against any genetically modified or chemicals that are being used, 
they are now seeing the virtues of applying technology in agriculture in as far as productivity and saying, hold on, let's look back, let's embrace technology. And that's, there's a discussion paper now at the European Commission, which is being circulated in member countries and being discussed on that. The bottom point then is going back again to the central point of on Germany of saying, let's allow technology developers to participate, but also let's allow those that are opting for organic on a basis that they are rewarded by the market to operate on that. And I think the South African agricultural sector has been operating on those bases. But I think at this point, we need to go back to modernize in the Act 36 I was referring to, so that those that want to embrace technology can have ability to bring faster those technologies to South Africa for benefits of productivity. And others focus on other methods that they embrace. Thanks. Thank you so much. Nico, I wait from you there, my banking finance perspective. Huh? No, I think uh, I, I fully subscribe to what Tommy and Wandile said. I mean, and Tommy will, will tell you that uh, nothing counts as hard as the bottom line. Uh, and if you if you cannot produce something uh, uh, with a with a, a sustainable profit, then it's very difficult to to do that. So you have to balance uh, what we do from an organic perspective uh, then with, with our normal production. And again, in the South African context, you know, uh, over and above the, the niche market or that market that's prepared to pay a premium for, for that, the question begs that to what extent would uh, one get credit from an, from an input perspective uh, um, if you apply those technologies at the moment, I think there's a there's there's a mismatch between the effort that is put into into that uh, on large scale uh, and 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 getting the reward for that. So so it's a fine balance. I, I think it's a goal that all needs to work towards, but uh, uh, one needs to balance that with the economics of it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I will move to the next question. And um, this one, and one delays to you again. You mentioned that um, parts of, you know, for since 2010, um, there's been quite a, a number of challenges that the agricultural market has experienced, and there's been some growth. And you said there's a possibility of growth in some parts of the provinces. Um, the question here is from Lizzo Wissi or Wissi. Sorry for pronouncing it wrong. If it is wrong. So the question is one delay. Do you have an analysis on this uh, sectoral contribution to agricultural growth you presented, i.e., uh, growth in the existing commercial sector versus upcoming commercial and smallholder agricultural production? That's the first question. And do you have an yeah. estimate? And how successful land reform using 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 the tool you mentioned from 2019 land reform analysis to uh, date and, uh, and and also contribution to the agricultural sector. Okay, yeah, th thanks for that, Nolazi. Let me try to, to be very brief. And uh, on Jeremy, with your wise wisdom, you may add, as well as Nico, with your wise wisdom and years of practice, you may add here. Uh, one first part on what crops uh, could give us uh, and what percentage of contribution. I mean, look, in South Africa, we are facing twin challenge, low economic condition in rural South Africa and job creation. So priority is always saying, uh, if you are supporting or putting public money or resources, support the agricultural uh, subsectors that will have 
higher multipliers in, in terms of, 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 of job opportunities, as well as um, uh, economic conditions. And the horticulture wins on that. But it doesn't win in all of the areas. There are areas where you cannot efficiently do horticulture. Therefore, you begin to look at field crops, maize, soybeans, and the others, and also livestock. So it's a mixture of those commodity corridors. But for the Eastern Cape, you would like to see horticulture expanding more and then modernizing the livestock that already exists in there. That's the first part of the answer. Land reform, I mean, uh, it, 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 the success has not been at a desired pace that we, we all want to see um, uh, in there. And I mean, I, I would give you a number, for example, about how slow we are on transformation. The numbers that are coming out of the NAMC, National Agricultural Marketing Council, are saying black farmers in South Africa's agricultural output on aggregate, they are producing about 10% of what is, con is, is consumed in a commercial market. But obviously that is not, you know, each value chains differ, each crop differ, but that's the aggregate number. That speaks then to say most of those farms that have been coming on land reform have not been yielding a greater success, which goes back to some of those things I was talking about, about land rights, uh, post-transfer support that needs to be efficient, but most importantly, the central point of Omtomi about partnerships that needs to come in. Nico spoke about interesting financing instruments of blended finance. Those also needs to be aligned. So it's a cocktail of all of these things that will make us look at the resources we have and say, how do we make these land reform um, uh, farms that we have to be a success? We really just need to, to look into those and embrace partnerships. Thanks. Thank you so much, Mr. Shoba. Any comments from the other panelists? Or can I, I move like on to the next question? Let me quickly add uh, to Andile's point. I think he covered uh, all the points, but what I would like to add, the key to real reform, transformation, uh, I would say groundbreaking breakthroughs is, uh, or I would call it big breakthroughs, massive breakthroughs, is we have to develop the markets for those products that are scale neutral and very profitable. A very good example of that is the cherry industry. Uh, we produce probably not even 3000 tons of cherries out of South Africa and we're insignificant in the global markets. We have the potential to come uh, more significant. If you look at the Chileans, they produce 100,000 tons of cherries going into the East. We're much closer to those markets. We should have better relationships with those governments. And we have a very small startup industry. If we focus our attention on this business, and I'm just using this as an example, we can go to others as well. The opportunity is so big, you don't need to redistribute the size of the existing assets. You can create new assets. And, and that's where I think the focus should be. If, if I have uh, a new entrant into the business, I would, the last thing I would propose to such a business is to uh, such a person to, is, is to invest in mature industries where we're already seeing saturation. That's a suicide mission. You should invest in young and upcoming industries where the future is ahead of us, not uh, the past reflected the bar. 
Thank you so much, Tommy. I will rush to the next question. Uh, the next question, Tommy, is also directed to you. The Thailand um, Jabulo is asking, would uh, ZT2 consider to mentor emerging farmers like us owning 207 97 hectares in Hibadan in, in, um, in KZN, plant one of their crops? Would you be interested in mentoring those emerging farmers? Is it something that your company would look at? Yeah, if it's, if it's within our uh, base of expertise, we do it with pleasure. Uh, we have a number of uh, projects in uh, our area uh, in line with uh, the philosophy I just mentioned earlier. We have uh, farmers that we've supported and worked with in, uh, I would say, thin margin crops for a long time. Uh, we're assisting and thinking with them to partner even to go into some of these high value crops where the profitability is uh, not as threatened as uh, some of the crops with the thin margins. Uh, there's interesting uh, projects we work with. I'm not sure exactly what the uh, climatic conditions is in that area. Uh, our expertise lies in horticultural crops and uh, I would say sub subtropical crops, mostly. And there is a huge opportunity, even with the existing markets in South Africa, if we get our act together to open up those new markets, the opportunity will even be bigger. Thank you so much, Tommy. Yeah, the questions are flocking, um, um, and we are now really out of time. It is now two o'clock. Um, I think it has really been it has really been a very insightful webinar and, and session. Uh, panelists, please feel please uh, answer some of the questions on the chat where possible. I think time is really against us here. Prof, next time maybe let's make it two hours because it does seem like a topic that everyone wants to hear about. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you so much to the panelists. It was really informative, and I can assure you, no one came here the same way and no one in the same way and will live the same way. I have been empowered. You said to me, self-empowerment is important. You've also said, uh, um, um, the panelists have also mentioned the importance of looking outward. There's quite a lot that we're taking out of here. And Nikki, you've said the bank is now no longer the same bank. We need, we are agile. We are really looking at different ways of supporting our communities and our farmers. So ladies and gentlemen, if you had no hope, resilience has been, uh, we've so, to been told to be resilient. We've been told to have hope. Let's take it and grab it. And with that said, thank you so much. I'm gonna hand over to you, Prof. Bega. Thank you so much, Norwazin. And, and, and to, to the speakers today, Nico, Wandile, Tommy, thank you so much for wonderful and very informative uh, presentations. I think we all learned really a lot. And, um, and, and, and I think these webinars uh, are a testimony to what can be done in terms of partnerships, uh, you know, between universities, between companies, uh, with companies, with, uh, with the bank. Uh, I can just add that, you know, at the University of the Free State, we also have a wonderful a partnership with Standard Bank in supporting uh, uh, emerging farmers. Um, so, so all of that is 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 testing many to what can be done. So, um, and 
once again thank you to everyone uh, to all the uh, attendees uh, thank you for 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 attending uh, i can just add that uh, you will receive a link to uh, this uh, to the, the recording um, and then you can watch it again because i think the the content is so information rich uh, that you will have to listen to it twice or maybe even three times to 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 extract all the value and information from that so thank you very much and have a wonderful day thank you thank you so much